This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. We're live from Monk's Bar in Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie again here on a Thursday. Badgers getting ready to host Nebraska coming up on Saturday night at 6.30 at Camp Randall Stadium. The home finale, it's going to be senior night or senior day, I guess. They're honoring 20 people. Now, there's some questions about some guys that were on the list, some guys were not on the list. I mean, I don't... Chimray DK was on the list. He's a guy that said that he hasn't made a decision about next year. He's got his COVID year to, to use. A guy not on the list, Ches Malusi, a guy who obviously can come back now that he redshirted and has another year of eligibility because he didn't use his COVID year this year. I don't know if that'll be at Wisconsin or I mean, I, who knows? There's there's a lot that can cap. There's a lot that can happen. A lot to do uh, to figure out for the Wisconsin football team. Not just obviously in the offseason, but this week as well, trying to find a way to win, trying to get bowl eligible. We'll see if they can do it uh, on Saturday night. Nebraska comes in also 5-5. Five and five. I believe this is one of five matchups between 5-5 five and five teams. Maybe it's six. Uh, it's bowl, bowls to get bowl eligible. The 5-5 five and five bowls to get bowl <laughs> eligible. It's so exciting. So exciting. So exciting for Wisconsin to try and f- get to six wins for a... It's their fourth effort. This is the fourth time they're trying to get to, to six wins this year. Um, but it is uh, allegedly a rivalry game. I don't know if you know this or not. It is called a rivalry game. There's a rivalry trophy. The Big Ten said it's not a rivalry by saying, <laughs> but not including Nebraska. In it's uh, every single year opponents list for Wisconsin. Obviously, that's sticking to Minnesota and to Iowa. For you, Jesse, is Nebraska a rival for Wisconsin? Of course not. Okay, It was supposed to be when they added Nebraska to the Big Ten in the big game in 2011 where Nebraska came to Wisconsin and the Badgers completely annihilated them 48-17, and it's really never been anything since. I know Nebraska managed to win one when Joel Stavi had to start on the road in Lincoln in 2012, but Wisconsin's won nine straight, I think 10 of 11 in this series destroyed nebraska when they met in the big 10 championship game and it's a rivalry that the big 10 wanted because wisconsin had a few decades of success nebraska had won some national championships been a, been a very good program but nebraska hasn't really been able to get off the ground since it joined the big 10 there were a couple seasons that started out well didn't really finish particularly well and so no it's not a rivalry and and another reason why it's not is First of all, a lot of the games haven't meant all that much, other than Wisconsin made <laughs> one last year to get to a, a bowl game. And I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, <laughs> it's not a rivalry. It, it reminds me of 2019 when we were talking to these guys. They were going down there, I believe, and we asked Chris Zach Bond, Zach Bond whether it was a rivalry or not. And he laughed. He said, no. Yeah. When's the last time they won it? Where's the trophy? <laughs> Have they ever touched the trophy? And the trophy is just a ridiculous thing that was made up in Gary Anderson's mind when uh, him and Bo, when he got hired here. And it's the, the Freedom Trophy, which, again, big fan of freedom, big fan of liberty and peace and happiness and all that good stuff. But it doesn't need a trophy. It was It's not as bad as the Civil Conflict Trophy that was made for UConn and US, uh, UCF, which is just a re- the most ridiculous trophy. But... Nebraska and Wisconsin don't have a history. 
Like the history only came when they showed up here. Barry Alvarez's history at Nebraska is the only reason anybody even thought about it. So it is not a rivalry. If Nebraska wins this game, okay, great. Still not a rivalry. It it does not matter. It's not going to be played every single year. It's not Wisconsin-Iowa. It's not Wisconsin-Minnesota. It's not Iowa-Minnesota. The only team in this whole thing that has any close to a rivalry with it is Iowa. And that is why that game is going to continue to be played every year. But it is not a rivalry for Wisconsin. And I don't care what happens Saturday night. It's just not. And the fact that Wisconsin has dominated the the way that it has in the last... Since 2012, they lost that one game in 2012 and then came back and hammered, hammered Nebraska in the Big Ten championship game. Have embarrassed them multiple times since then. It is not anywhere close to a rivalry game whatsoever. And um, again, a trophy will be awarded. But I go back to my time at Lincoln. It must have been 2019 as well. After the game, went to the trophy, was waiting for Wisconsin to come over, run over, pick it up, take it with them. What did they do? No one came over. I spent minutes, three, four, five minutes, just waiting for somebody to come over. And I think Wisconsin folks were like, hey, guys, go get the trophy. And so a couple guys came over and got it. It is not a rivalry trophy. It's not a rivalry. Whereas Minnesota, you run for the axe. You run for the uh, the pig, uh, the, the bull, excuse me, when, you, when it's Iowa and Wisconsin. It's not a rivalry. Not a rivalry. I think we docked it out here in about four minutes in the first segment. So we can move on. Good job. All right. Um, more to the point here how big are these two games for wisconsin to end the regular season look um if they lose both and they very well could how does that impact the future of the program if at all and i'll just i'll just say this right now and and you'll be able to expand on this i kind of think no matter what happens this season's a failure but there are levels of failure right there's levels it's horrible it's epic. I don't know what there's what, what goes above epic, but those those two would kind of be where I would go if they lose both of these games, and there's a good chance of it happening. Not to be too negative here. <laughs> you know, anybody who's listening, it's hard to be positive after we've seen what we've seen and where we thought this program was going to be three months ago. They've lost four out of five. They've lost three consecutive home games for the first time in a, a long time. <laughs> so... I don't know how much difference in the big picture it's going to make, whether they're five or seven or seven and five, because I agree with you that either way, based on the expectations for this program, it is considered a failure. But you're right, there are different levels because if they go if they go five and seven and they started year four and one, right? So my math isn't great, but that'd be one and six to close. Yeah. Um, then they're missing a bowl game for the first time since two thousand one. And so that is like epic failure. Yeah. I, I tend to believe they're going to split these last two. Okay. I, I will get to our picks later, but I have no real reason to believe that other than they are playing two teams equally mediocre. And so if you flip a coin, maybe one of them comes up Wisconsin's way. Going to a bowl game matters because of the streak that the program has, and you could say it matters because you get those extra three or four weeks, which are important. You can perhaps um, debate that level of importance, but the young guys in particular, we've seen how that is a springboard for a lot of people, and you don't have that chance if you don't make a bowl. So it's another opportunity for Luke Fickle and the staff to try to put whatever imprint they want on this team for the future. But long-term, 
I just I don't know how much seven and five versus five and seven means for next year and the year after, other than the fan base will be just even more upset if it's five and seven. Is there such a thing as momentum from season to season? I don't believe that there is, honestly. Because I mean, there's I, we, we do we do hear them talk about momentum yeah. off a bowl win, right? Yeah, I. I, this is my 13th season covering the team. We've covered teams that they won the bowl game, and we've covered teams that they lost. And obviously, if you lose, you, you probably weren't very good <laughs> to begin with. You know, you're, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's not always fair. But if you're going to be playing in the bowl game that Wisconsin hypothetically will be playing in, uh, it makes you feel good going into the offseason. But I don't think when you get to spring practice, you are thinking at all about what happened in your mid-tier bowl game in December. It's nice. It's a good way to cap it. It helps the seniors feel good and the players. But I just, I don't think in the big picture it's super significant. But I am curious to see, like, I don't know. I also don't think it's going to matter in terms of when the transfer portal opens. Whatever the record is at this point, the guys who are going to leave are going to leave. And I don't think someone in the portal is going to be like, oh, well, they went 5-7. and seven. Nah, I'm not going there. But they went 7-5. and five. I'm in. You know what I mean? I do. I do understand that. What I kind of think matters is maybe showing some progress offensively. Yes. When it comes to the portal, right? And oh, when it comes I to see. people's expectations and when it comes to hope for the future is progress on the offense. And I don't necessarily think we're going to see it. Uh, we've seen how many games now? Ten? Where there has, where it feels like there's been a regression offensively as opposed to uh, a progress, uh, a progression. That said, is there any hope that there's going to be a progression? It's. I think I mentioned this on the camp that when someone shows you who they are, believe them. <laughs> but it's possible. We just haven't seen it enough. There have been pockets of it, and I think that's a good point that you bring up, Zach, because. To me, that's separate from I was viewing it only through the lens of what the record will be. But in terms of showing some progress offensively, I think it's tremendously important, especially when you consider all the the expectations of Phil Longo bringing this air raid system and he's had success everywhere he's been. And right now they're averaging 22.2 points per game, which somehow is four points fewer than last year. If you have two more games like that, I think it creates even more questions about what the future looks like. But if you can somehow do something positive, at least you can hang your hat on that. And honestly, I think what's most important at this point is for this team to show some real legitimate fight, yep. some togetherness, and put a product on the field that people can be proud of. Well, that goes to my next question. It's, has Luke Fickle lost his team? Now, this is not a question that I thought of. It was something that was asked of me uh, on the camp when I asked for questions after the game last week. I didn't use it, but it comes to mind now. Has he lost the team? Have they quit on him? Uh, or are we just now realizing that maybe some of them didn't buy fully into Luke Fickle when he when he came in? Yeah, I'm not ready to say that he's lost the team. I don't even I don't think that's fair um, right now because I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, well, just it, just it, for it, me it, to say it does make sense because you uh, talk to guys that are not going to come out and say that well that's yes that's true when you're right like when you don't when you didn't have a chance to maybe speak with everybody that you would have liked to have spoken with this week oh yeah well i, I there there is that we we i guess that's an inside baseball thing it is but, but it's also a worth worthwhile yeah. note that wisconsin after what happened on saturday night 
with some maybe some of the comments that they didn't think that uh, maybe Hunter Wohler or whoever else spoke after the game on Saturday night, maybe they weren't overly pleased with it. And on Tuesday, when you're normally able, you are normally able to request guys. Yeah. They gave you six players, who again they didn't have. They don't have to give us. To be fair, they don't have to give you anybody. Yeah. But they gave you six guys that you're able to talk to. And, and as you said, Tanner Bordellini was very, you thought, very open and honest about some of those things. But they're also not going to say anything that's going right. to, you know, upset the apple cart to the point where it was on Saturday night. I think it's different to say he's lost the team and people like. It, but I think it's fair to say there are people, and it's only speculation on who those players might be, but when you do have a Hunter Wohler coming out and specifically saying it in the public, then it's not coming from nowhere. People who weren't fully bought in, and I don't know what the reasons are, but I, I think I'm willing to give, I, I think it's fair to give Luke the benefit of the doubt long term. Like, look what he did at Cincinnati, and I know at a certain point you won't be able to say that anymore because you'll have two, three years at Wisconsin, but Mostly, it's just that this transition is proving to be way more challenging than anybody anticipated for a variety of reasons. And I know earlier in the week I went over my f- five theories for why they're not very good. Um, that blew up. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of comments on that. But I'm sure all very positive. Yes, as usual. Um, but I, I don't think this is like Luke has completely lost the team. I just It doesn't feel fair to me right now, even though in ten games they haven't been great. Was Hunter Waller made available? He certainly wasn't. All right. So there, there, there was, a, again... He said there was going to be some weeding out. Maybe that's a process that has, is happening behind the scenes. Certain guys will be involved. Maybe on Saturday we see some guys that we haven't seen this year um, play bigger roles. We don't know that. But certainly it felt like that was more than just lip service. But, again, then it also kind of sounded like, to an extent, a little bit, that it also might have been a message coming from Luke Fickle as well what Hunter Wilder said, not about the weeding out part, but about guys buying in and, no. and uh, you know, because he did let it slip, then, you know, we're going to find out what guys want to be here. Yeah. That, to me, is certainly something that would suggest that that got into the mind of Hunter Wilder, which then obviously got um, some lip service paid to it when he came out and talked to the media. And, again, he wasn't the only one. Tim Mordecai was clearly upset, and he talked about the give a bleep factor. That is also noteworthy in this whole conversation. Um, so... And he was available on. Was he a little bit more laid back this time? Yeah. I, you know, it's tough it's when tough. you're coming up. You're, you, you just come off the field. You got your butts whooped. And you got to go speak to the media, what, 30 minutes afterward? With a little bit of perspective, it's probably more helpful to calm down. Well, and you got your, you got your butts whooped, and a lot of guys appeared not to be given full effort. Yeah. So that's fair. All right. Coming back on the other side, going to do a little bit of uh, overreaction or no. Or no? This no. is Temple in Heilbrunn, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome back into Temple and High Alperin. Live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Getting ready for Wisconsin and Nebraska coming up on Saturday night. This will be a great place to watch the game if, if it's something that uh, you're wanting to do. If you want to go out and sit at Camp Randall, which I can certainly understand. It, it appears, based on uh, my inability to get rid of my tickets this weekend, <laughs> is that... Uh, 
folks are probably not overly excited to go and sit in the cold on a, on a Saturday night to watch Wisconsin and Nebraska, a couple five and five teams go at it. Instead, come here. Some great drink specials on game days. They got the, the free shots, uh, excuse me, the free um, jello shots for every touchdown, which maybe is not as a, <laughs> maybe not as big of a draw as maybe we thought it was going to be before the year, but either way, um, Wisconsin and Nebraska, 630 on NBC. All right, world-famous segment, overreaction or no? Luke Fickle needs to have a person with the history at Wisconsin, player or coach, on his staff next year. Is that an overreaction or no? I think it's an overreaction. I'll cede to Barry Alvarez because oh. I, I asked him this question. It's Go ahead. Well, he talked about when he started that he didn't have a staff that either. That, that yeah, because no one, <laughs> there was nobody what, good to have. But what he said was, and I think he obviously still connected to coaches within the state, is he felt like they did a very good job, at least initially, of going out and recruiting and doing all those things. And I don't think that's going to change. I, I mean, I guess I would throw this back to you. What do you think the value would be in having a coach from the state? Is it specifically in terms of, the recruiting pitch to people within the state? I, I, I think it's having a sounding board. And, again, he has Casey Robach, and he has, yeah. you know, some other people maybe within the athletic department. But I think there are, are things that have caught him off guard that maybe if he had somebody on staff, it would have been a little bit differently. I do not think that he was as in tune with what Wisconsin was yeah. as he said he was when he first showed up. There have been things that have surprised him throughout I think his tenure here that he was not expecting anything in particular. Come well, I mean, I'm, he, I assume that he thought that the crowd was going to be into every single game and they were going to show <laughs> up uh, and it's students to be there and to be like a, a, a raucous environment every single time when his only experience coming here was when it was Ohio State. And we see what kind of environment comes when it's Ohio State. That's not typically Wisconsin on a regular basis. I think that uh, there are other aspects maybe behind the scenes that, uh, you know, his not realizing maybe they have a history in Florida that he, he was unaware of. The, the whole 350-mile radius, that's that's a Cincinnati thought in my mind than, than it is a Wisconsin thought. That's not Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a national recruiting profile. They've gone to a much different places to recruit. Now, I think he's learned that, and we maybe we'll see it. But, like, the whole the, the mileage thing was just so stupid. Uh, excuse me. That's rude. It, it was never what it truly was. Right. That's not what this was. But there are those are types of things that, again, they're surface level. I guarantee there are deeper things within that building that he could have been helped with had he had somebody on a daily basis being right next to him. But, again, Casey Robach is, is, is a great person person to have in the building and have him but that's where i is kind of where i'm kind of thinking are you thinking a full-time staffer because if that's the case then obviously you're yeah i'm thinking yeah, coach okay i'm thinking assistant coach i'm thinking having that again do i think it's an absolute necessity to have it no but do i think it would have helped the transition yes and i also think it would have maybe helped with the idea of culture too like yeah. he's talking about culture that wisconsin has when he doesn't actually know what culture wisconsin has because he's got one guy on a staff of how many and i know alec james is there too but again it's it's different it's different in my opinion having guys that are talking to an, a room talking to a team being involved with the recruiting on the road type of stuff like he does not he does not have that it's not like those guys can go on the road recruiting so I feel like there probably could have been. 
Yeah, so I'm not saying that that is what needs. Like, I think this first year would have been very beneficial if he had somebody on staff. I know that that's such a maybe it's a look back argument, and it's a you know 2020. But there are so many people that have called into question. Yeah, the culture and him ripping away the culture what it was, and I I don't know necessarily to agree with those people, but I do think having that guy on staff would have helped. I think it's a different question of whether you should have done it in year one as opposed to year two because you get your staff in place you learn a whole, a whole heck of a lot more after a full year here when as he even talked about because i asked him a question this week about what did you know about nebraska at this time of year because there was an opening and there was at least some talk about luke being potentially connected there and i don't know whether that actually ever came to fruition with any conversation but he said i, I didn't know anything about this place uh, because um he's so locked into what he's doing and so i think that's it would have made more sense this year and i know we it was a topic of conversation i think in january when he had his alumni event in milwaukee and he talked to reporters before that and i know at the time he said if he if could have done things differently he would have potentially got somebody but then he had a coach leave and brought another person in who I know, was that from the state um, so saying so, one thing and doing right. another. So there's that. It would, in my mind, it would have made more sense in year one and perfect sense because of the transition and everything that is unique to this program. But I don't know at this point whether you say ah, I have to have an in-state guy and I'm going to eliminate one of my full-time coaches specifically for that reason. And this is not part of the question, but do you think the staff is going to be back next year? I have no idea. I, I can't mean, imagine. There's the no. More, there's just no way. It, not coming back in meaning that Luke decides it's to not change going some things well up. So it, it certainly feels more on the table now, and 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 I also think that's another reason why these last two games are important because if you just lay two more duds out here look at look at their four, last four losses they haven't scored more than 14 points in any of those games they haven't been very good all year it gives you more reason to think look maybe i need to pivot because this isn't working that leads me to this question uh this was a question that i got on twitter or a statement on twitter that i turned into an overreaction no actually i think it actually was asked in that form but uh phil Longo's offense is ridiculously simple and only thrives with extraordinary talent at these skilled positions is that an overreaction or no Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I guess I'll go overreaction, but I also know that who who are, who was his quarterback? Who was a slot receiver at North Carolina? Now, I mean, we know <laughs> you what they had were. Josh Downs, who's unbelievable, and you had Drake Mayne before that, Sam Howell, and he had some really good quarterbacks at Ole Miss. Um, had but some, he also had some drafted guys, tight end and wide receivers, other than Josh Downs. Yeah, but he also had a lot to do with evaluating and getting that talent there. And so they you know, and they have but they have not go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, you thought you had it with Tanner Mordecai is the thing. You, you, I, See, I'm there's not, a guy, I think when we look back on this and again, it's one of those things that you're looking back on. He couldn't do it at Oklahoma. Yeah. So he went to SMU and was able to do it mm -hmm. and then wanted to prove it. They prove at the power five level that he could do it. And I think it's been proven that he can't do it. it yeah. I mean, I it's got three touchdowns, three touchdowns in six and a half games. It's I. I did a breakdown with our Nebraska writer for Friday and essentially said that like it's it's inexplicable really and it's not like Braden Locke came in and tore it up either right he's got yeah. he's got five touchdowns yeah, yeah. lost a couple of fumbles but um so I'm, eight passing touchdowns in how many games right yeah 10 games it's that was not the offense that no. that we were I don't want to say we were promised but <laughs> what was put out there yeah but these are two different parts of the question the idea that it's ridiculously simple I don't think that's fair um I mean 
the thing about his system, and I, and I wrote about this from talking to people who worked with him, is that there's not a lot of plays necessarily, but there's ten different things within that play, and that had to do with the wide receivers and the way that they could break off routes and do different things. So, I, I mean, I think I don't think that part is fair. I do think it is designed to help players play fast, but you really can have success when you've got great players. And but I think that's you could say that about any team. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wisconsin will add and lose more players from or to the transfer portal than last off season. Is that an overreaction or no? I don't think so. It's not. But I. This is so hard right now because is it? You, well. I don't know I don't know who's going to leave and I don't like they're locked in from a scholarship perspective where you'd say they need to go after x number of guys at a position and maybe the coaches just say to the current guys you got to go very well could happen um, they brought in 15 scholarship transfers in the off season and as the thing it's like Luke Fickle has said on multiple occasions we don't want to be uh, a transfer portal team, but every team is a transfer portal yes. team now because you're consistently going to lose people, and if you're doing your due diligence, you're going to be looking in the portal to find guys that can potentially be better than what you have. I think the problem that can crop up is when we talk about this idea of, of culture and what Wisconsin has been built on. I mean, we didn't have to worry about this in previous years, but what was it built on? You brought guys in, you developed them over time. By their third, fourth, fifth year, they were every bit as good as a lot of other guys on other programs. And that's not exactly how it's going to go, even if you want it to go that way, because of the nature of what college football has become. And so I think that might be among the greater threats to the culture of, of what Wisconsin is. I, that's another question I asked Luke this week. How can you know when you're recruiting people, when you're going in the portal? You can't. No. It's an inexact science. But that's, that's the importance of knowing these guys in the initial recruiting process yeah. coming out of high school. And so many of these guys that came in are guys that they recruited coming out of high school. We know that about Tanner Mordecai. We know that about Brayden Locke. We know that about Nick Evers. We know that Will Pauling and, and Quincy Burroughs were at Cincinnati, so they obviously knew them. Like, there there are a lot of connections. And, and you know, Bryson Green is a guy that Phil Longo always wanted. Joe Huber was at Cincinnati. Like, there are so many guys like that in these 14 transfers that I think you kind of do know who they are in that respect. Right? Yes. So, like... Will they stick with that, or will they right. go after maybe guys that they don't have connections to but are, quote-unquote, better players? It remains to be seen. The one th other thing I wanted to say is I don't want to imply that because of they've got these 15 transfers that that is the reason why there's been a fracture of some sort. Like, I mean, ask Tanner that question. He's I, I certainly doesn't feel that way. And um, But whatever has happened this season hasn't been good enough for a variety of reasons. I think it's... I think far and away there's going to be a lot more guys out. Yeah. And that will necess necessitate a lot more guys in than the 14 or 15 that they yep. brought in last year. And the the small amount, compared to other programs that were overturning their roster or having a new staff come in, the fact that so many guys returned, that was viewed as a positive. I don't know if it was as big of a positive as maybe um, it should have been viewed as. Uh, there is not one positive thing that has happened this football season. Is that an overreaction or no? Uh, it's got to be an overreaction. <laughs> they're not 0-10. They're not. <laughs> they're 5-5. Five and five. They've had some good moments. Individually, there have been some good Let's players. Give some of that. Hunter Wohler has had a great season. He really has. Um, every bit what we thought he was going to be, and so he stands out in my mind. Will, uh, pa Will Pauling. Yeah, you're right. I mean, 
of everybody offensively. He's been the breakout guy, showed it in spring, has carried it all the way through. The problem is that is not a particularly long list in terms of standout players, no. but I'm not going to sit here and say absolutely nothing as positive has happened. Uh, yes, the, it's tremendous disappointment from what the expectations were, but there still have been some good things within that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to point out a couple more guys that I thought have had good seasons, and I know the top one here is going to piss some people off, which is fine. Outside of the snaps, I think Tedder Borlini's had a good season. Yeah. Um, and the snaps have not really been an issue the last three weeks or so. Uh, he was graded out, and again, pro football focus is what it is. He was graded out as the top center in the country last week, so there's that. Um, I also think James Thompson Jr. has had a heck of a season. Yes. Um, he's when the he's, only and, defensive and, lineman with more than one sack. Right, and a guy that uh, you know necessarily hasn't been uh, healthy going back. I mean, he was, he was dinged up earlier in the year. Maybe he's not completely healthy right now. And Ricardo Hallman. I mean, Ricardo Hallman's been fantastic. Um, they tested him a little bit more. I thought Northwestern did, but when he play, he's playing eight yards off the ball, which is, again, not his choice, I would assume, to play that far off the ball when it's third and five and get the ball thrown right in front of you. But he's been great. So, I mean, I, I, those are some guys that have been uh, guys that have stood out as positive. But for the most part, it's been it's been tough. It's been tough. All right, coming back on the other side, going to talk a little basketball as the Badgers get ready to host Robert Morris after what was a uh, less than stellar performance against Providence. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. Live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, per usual. We're here from 6 to 7 every Thursday, so stop on by and say hi if you're in the area. All right, let's talk a little basketball, Jesse, because as bad as things were football-wise, uh, we thought basketball might be the thing that got people going. And they played, eh, okay against Tennessee, but the defense, and Tennessee is a really, really good team. Yeah. They're a top 10 team in the country. Dalton Neck is just a different, a difference maker, and uh, they couldn't get the stops that they needed to offensively against a good Tennessee defense, which was one of the, I think it was the top defense in the country last year. They scored 70 points. I think only five teams did that last year against Tennessee, so okay. Go to Providence, a team that has 70 players, has a new coach, and you get blown off the floor. <laughs> it was not competitive. It was a re like a replay of what happened against Northwestern on Saturday. So uh, I thought we would talk a little basketball. I asked for questions after it, as you would imagine. Not overly positive. Maybe we'll talk, maybe we can. We're, not, we're so early in the season that there there is still plenty of hope for what it is. But that game looked a whole lot like a lot of what we saw last year, which uh, with a little bit worse defense to go along with it. Um, but we'll go. We'll start with here. Um, Golden Gate Hoops asks. Do you think the shooting woes are systematic or just a function of an off couple of nights? To me, it looked like UW was getting open looks, couldn't cash in. If I have heard that once, I've heard it a million times in the Greg Gard era and even the Bo Ryan era, um, outside of a few years here and there. They get open shots. They hit them in practice. Not hitting them in games. What do you think? If they're open, I can't explain why they don't go in. <laughs> I, I, I mean, truly. It, it's one thing if... Look, it's one thing if 
you're primarily getting contested shots. If your offense is a mess and there's six seconds left on the shot clock and so Chucky's got to do something, like, if they're open, I don't have an explanation for why they don't go in. Do you think they have good shooters? Yes. Okay. I do. All right. (laughs) But, and I know these are in some other questions, why are we seeing the same thing? A lot of the same guys. Yes. And that goes to this. Uh, Tim asks, couldn't finish around the hoop, missed bunnies, couldn't hit wide open threes. It's like this is the same team as last year. And he cut himself off before he said year. He just said Y-E and the dot, dot, dot. I filled in the, the year part for him. But I totally agree. It was like deja vu. Uh, so many of the things that ailed this team last year, offensively, long dr- uh, uh, stretches without scoring, Inability to finish inside, not hitting wide-open shots. It was at play the other night. The added bonus to this was not playing any defense either in the first half. And not, you know, straight-line drives, baseline drive, Like, guys getting wide-open threes off of, uh, off of rebounds because they weren't able to, to end possessions. It was a situation where... It was just added on to all the bad things that happened last year. What you needed out of the team this year, and it's still certainly possible. We, as you said, we're only three games in, so there's a lot of room for improvement. But everybody who came back needs to show or needed to show market improvement. Uh, needed to take a jump. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think <laughs> in the preseason, and, and hope springs eternal before the season, just like it does in spring training. How, uh, just before you get going here, how far along, I mean, how, how long ago was your article? Just last week. Okay. It was like a month ago. It does. I just talked to Greg Gard uh, last Wednesday, <laughs> eight, eight days ago. And um, and it's still all true, though, is the thing. What you think you can potentially have out of these guys is a high ceiling. But all of those players have to play like that for Wisconsin to look like that kind of team. Chucky Hepburn, right, lost a lot of weight in the offseason. It was, as Greg said, part of an 18-month process to get there. He was 2 for 10 in that game. Tyler Wall went 3 for 9. Supposed to be... He's healed from his injury. He's be able to score inside, things we've seen before. Steven Crow goes one for five for, for four points. Just Greg said he's felt all along that Steven had all Big Ten caliber potential, and he's got to show it more consistently. You go down the line, name every single person who came back. You need all of that to come together at the same time, and right now you haven't seen it. The question is, will we see it? Because that is what's going to lead Wisconsin to a different level this season. It's not just adding A.J. Storr, who hasn't been – particularly efficient offensively. I like his offensive game. He's clearly... But you need all the guys who came back to take another step, and I'm not willing to say that they're not going to yet, but that's what needs to happen. And certainly the issue with Connor Asija right now, how how healthy is he, right? Uh, I think he played six minutes against Providence. You needed a shooter. Uh, It didn't happen. And, And they're also obviously going deep because he wasn't getting the type of effort Effort. He was calling out their effort after the game. I know uh, I, I saw, I didn't see the full press conference, but saw snippets of it. And reporters to a person that are there on a regular basis said that as upset as they've seen him, he called out straight out, called out Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell for their inability to finish around the basket. He just said, he was asking, you know, what do, you, what do they have to do? They have to finish. 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 And like he was animated about it. So. Uh, he's clearly not pleased with that. And, yeah, the, their inability, like, they didn't get on the ground after a ball one time. And that's an effort play. And it's something that Wisconsin has hung its hat on, and he called it out. So 
there's a lot of there was a lot of bad in that game, and you're hoping that it was just that game. But because of what we saw last year, it's also like maybe an extension of that because there's so many of the same guys. The difference is you can you're not pleased, but you can tolerate missed shots if they're open. Uh, you're yeah, not you, happy about. You can't it, scream at guys to make shots. Exactly, something that Greg Garden we've heard for a long, long time. time. Yeah. But the effort, you can't allow a team to shoot almost 60% from the floor for an entire game. You have no chance to yeah. win. That's why Wisconsin has been so good for so long. They control the pace of play. You, you frustrate teams because you're sound defensively. And if you don't have a great offensive game, you can still win. Yeah. But right now, you've got to put this all together. Robinson asks, does this team have any hope of finishing above 500 or being above 500 at Christmas? I shouldn't even say above 500. At 500. So right now they are sitting at 1-2. and two. They got Robert Morse. That's 2-2, two and two, right? They got Western Illinois. That's 3-2, and two, you would hope. And then they have Marquette. Yeah. Number four in the country. That's a biggie. They've got Michigan State at Michigan State, number 18 in the country. They've got... There's also Air- the Fort Myers tip-off, by the way. Yes. Where they've got to play Virginia and then either yep. SMU or West Virginia. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, missed, I missed Virginia on there. Yep. Uh, at Arizona, the number three team in the country. And then they've got Jacksonville State, Chicago State. Those are the games before Christmas. I find it highly unlikely that they're above or they're at 500. Then it's going to be tough uh, unless things come together. I, it, it's going to be tough because we we knew that this schedule was extraordinarily difficult. I mean, Tennessee, like you said, may well be the number one team in the country. Um, I know. I know. My colleague at the Athletic had them at number one after what he saw in the first week. You've you've still got to play Michigan State in there. Marquette is, I mean, this is one of the better Marquette teams that we've seen in a long time. So it's it's up for debate. But what you're going to need is some of those resume-building types of wins in order to give yourself a chance. Are you okay with the, the way that Greg Garden uh, Gard did this schedule? Yeah. You, you want to challenge your team. Do you, though? I think you do. Because I think at the end of the day, the NCAA tournament, raw wins kind of just matter more than maybe uh, losses against good teams. Well, <laughs> if you're losing all of them, then, yeah, then yeah, but certainly. But, but if you but, win a few of those, they build your resume in a meaningful way. And there is something to be said for... But who cares what seed you are if you aren't in the tournament? <laughs> well, if you weren't good... I, would you rather be 6-0 and against the Chicago States and Jacksonville States of the world and not know as much about your team? I mean, I guess... crap what you know about your team. I think if you that stuff your, matters. That the... No, I don't know. I would rather play a schedule that is more challenging where you give yourself an opportunity to win some of these games. And if you can't win any of them, then you're probably not good enough to be in the NCAA tournament Yeah, anyway. but the NCAA committee does not know that because you never actually played those games. They get to decide know, yeah. that whether it's in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten this year may not be as strong top to bottom as it was last year. It's relevant. They've, I think they've we're going to disagree they've on this, got this They've got the schedule that they have. And, and they I'd have rather to have a it. tough schedule with the types of players that you had returning. Like, this is not an all-freshman team where you say, oh, we need to ease into this. I agree. you got to be able to win some of these games with the roster that you have. And I have no problem with the schedule that they have. They're just not playing well the last week. But that doesn't mean they can't later on. You know who's doing well? Jesse Temple and his picks. 5-1 <laughs> last week. Having an absolute year. 14 games above 500. We'll pick the Week 12 games coming up on the other side. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
back into Temple and Heilprin. We're at Monk's Barn Grill in Sun Prairie. Ton of football going on, basketball going on. Indiana being tested by Wright State in the first half. Uh, we've got some NFL football coming up here later today. The Ravens and the Bengals. Great place to watch football, basketball, hockey. Did you know that the Wisconsin hockey team, the hockey teams, are both number one in the country right now? I heard you say it earlier in the okay. show. All right. I don't think I actually said it earlier in the show. You did? Oh, I said it. I said it in my update. So that's that's where you heard. Oh, okay. It. Yep. Uh, they have uh, a couple big series coming up. They're going to the men are in Michigan State tomorrow. Michigan State, eleventh ranked in the country. You've got the women going to Columbus to take on the second ranked Buckeyes. So big weekend for them. Speaking of teams that are doing well, um, which obviously we have not done a ton tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as I said before the break, guy that's doing really well, Jesse Temple, killing it in his picks. He's up to 38, 24, and 4 on the year. I'm sitting five games back at 33, 29, and 4. I've actually turned it around quite well. It's just I started out so horribly. It just It's kind of like Wisconsin in the first half of games, starting out horribly and then coming out in the second half, but still kind of coming up short. Um, all right, we got six games to pick. We'll start with Utah, the 22nd team in the uh, college football playoff rankings, traveling to a surprisingly good Arizona team. They're number 17. Arizona, a one-point favorite there. I'm going with Arizona in this one. The Wildcats have been rolling. They've won four straight. Three of those wins came came against teams that were ranked at the time. So I think they're going to cover at home. I think it's going to be an electric environment at Arizona because they have not had a ton to cheer about of late uh, in recent seasons, but certainly feel like they have things going their way. I'm going to go with uh, Arizona as well in that one. Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, taking over Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings this week. They are at number 18, Tennessee. They are favored by 10 in that game. I feel like I keep picking against Georgia because the spread seems so big, and I know that they (laughs) had a surprisingly close game against Missouri, but otherwise they have just been rolling teams. So I'm just going to pick Georgia from here on out. I don't care what the spread is. I don't feel comfortable picking Tennessee after what happened to them against Missouri last last week. We both picked that one, or maybe I picked it. Um, But Missouri rolled them, and Missouri's playing really well. We saw what Missouri did against Georgia. It was a tough game, but I think Georgia is significantly better. Again, this game being down in Knoxville maybe helps them, but I'm still going to go with uh, Georgia as well. Illinois traveling to number 16, Iowa, the 16th-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. Just insane to even say that (laughs) next to that team. But they are three-point favorites in that game. I'm going Iowa. I feel better about this after seeing that the Hawkeyes actually managed to get 22 points last week. Deacon Hills. It's a step in the right direction for them. Maybe they're just rallying behind Brian Ferentz. They know they're not going to get to 25 points a game. Um, I think it's going to be Iowa. Illinois has been perfectly mediocre, just like everybody else, although they've played better of late. And they get Luke Altmaier back at, at quarterback, even though they're, I believe their quarterback was Big Ten Player of the Week on offense this week. I don't remember exactly what his name was. It's irrelevant. I'm going to go Illinois here. This is where I'm going to try and get back in. I still believe heavily in Deacon Hill. And Iowa's defense is fantastic. However, who did they lose this week? They Cooper lost DeGene. Cooper DeGene. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a huge one. So I'm going to go Illinois to cover there. I don't know if they win, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick them to, to cover there. Washington, the fifth ranked team in the country, going to number 11 Oregon State of the Pac-2. Um, <laughs> Oregon State two and a half point favorites in that one. A little bit surprising, but you know Washington 
is undefeated, and I think that's why they're still number five. They haven't necessarily played fantastic of late. Yeah, I'm surprised about this one, too, because I think Washington's going to win. It's been a magical season so far. Not every game has been pretty, um, but they're still winning, and they've got Michael Penix Jr. They do. I'm going to go Oregon State here because, again, need to get back in this one a little bit. But also, at home, you know what that environment's going to be like. I'm I'm big on environments at this point. Oregon State, do you remember the Washington State environment that Wisconsin walked into? How pissed off people were that that, (laughs) uh, the Big Ten was, you know, doing what it's doing? I think it's going to be the exact same way for a team that's headed to the Big Ten. Purdue going to Northwestern. Purdue, a three-point favorite over the soon-to-be, or has it been already? I think it's already happened. Northwestern hiring David Braun as their new head coach, or keeping him on, taking off the interim tag. Yeah. Um, Purdue went off last week. It's tough to go play at Northwestern, <laughs> and I don't know if Northwestern is going to win, but maybe it's a one-point game. I, I'm picking Northwestern on this I'm one. going Northwestern as well in that one. Uh, and finally, Wisconsin hosting Nebraska. Badgers favored again for some reason, um, likely because it's Nebraska, but they are five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Well, I picked Wisconsin uh, in the athletic to somehow win this game 17 to 14 so not cover so i i know once again i cannot in good conscience pick wisconsin to cover i guess the good news is if you're considering this at least it's not double digits thankfully but um the badgers they just have to win this they just have to and maybe it's more for me do you think they're going to i do you actually think they're going so to? here's the biggest challenge i know we barely address this game um nebraska has the number three run defense in the country Wisconsin hasn't run the ball very well, but they haven't passed the ball very well, and you're going to force them to pass, and you're going to force the defense to have to win the game when the defense has been up and down. Um, Don't know which quarterback's playing for them. I have little reason to believe that Wisconsin will, other than Nebraska has been just as mediocre all season. And so I think Wisconsin's going to find a way to close out this so-called rivalry when they're in the same division by winning. It's been so long since Nebraska beat Wisconsin. They haven't beaten Wisconsin in Madison since 1966, the game that Barry Alvarez had an interception in. So it's been a, it's been a long time. I, I just can't I can't do it. I can't pick I can't pick Nebraska. So I'm gonna pick Wisconsin, but I'm not gonna pick them to cover. Yeah, we're on the same page. I there. mean this seventeen fourteen sounds about right. Twenty to seventeen, something like that. It's it's not going to be pretty, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach.